Father's Day. It's a day we celebrate every year. Like many other holidays that we have, you can count on it. It's not in the Bible. In fact, you're saying, where is he going to find a scripture to go along with Father's Day? Because we're not commanded to observe Father's Day. But like many other things we celebrate, they represent our values, what we hold important. And I do believe that celebrating Father's Day does represent the values that we have as Christians. But over time, our culture and our values have eroded. We still celebrate the day, but the meaning gets lost. In 2015, a documentary film was produced entitled, Where Have All the Fathers Gone? It's a powerful work that spoke to the rising epidemic of fatherless homes. The result of that, I would say a moral freefall. Our government, our institutions, our educational systems, our churches, but most of all, our homes. We have lost our way. We have lost our sense of true north. We call good evil and evil good. We wink at wickedness. We laugh at perversions. We remain silent when God is mocked. Seven years later after this film, America has earned the title of the world's leader in fatherlessness. To me, that was shocking. We lead the world as a nation without fathers. We see that with 18.5 million kids growing up without a dad. And the effects are staggering. 85% of children and teens with behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. Over 70% of all adolescent patients in drug and alcohol treatment centers originate from homes without fathers. Children without a father in the home are five times more likely to live in poverty. Children without a father in the home are nine times more likely to drop out of school. They also represent 90% of all homeless and runaway children. No father. As the fathers go, I think we've seen, so the families go, and so society goes. I've often thought of this, looking past over the years that I've lived on this earth, which are not many, to echo these thoughts, the question, where have all the fathers gone? I don't ask that question out of judgment or pointing my finger or accusing anyone here, <laughs> much less myself. But I'm burdened for this because I, I feel a profound sense of sadness and loss of what we see as a whole. The vast majority of homes in America, fathers are not present. The vast majority of homes in America, the fathers are not present. They're not present mentally, spiritually, emotionally, or even physically. 
We talk about the presence of a father physically, but how many homes have someone there physically, but they're not there in any other way? Not emotionally available, not spiritually available, not mentally available. I still laugh when I think of the times I'd sit at the dinner table, not too many times, <laughs> but uh, Diane would say, uh, care to join us? <laughs> now you guys, I know you laugh at this because well, I'm preoccupied. I'm preoccupied. And a lot of us, as men, we get preoccupied with stuff. You know, work, play, hobbies, whatever. But we're not there. We're there, but we're not there. I say that uh, confessing <laughs> that I tend to do that. In Ezekiel 22:30, we read these words, and I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. We know that the entire world is under condemnation the result of sin that started in the Garden of Eden that has continued on through all the generations since then, that as a result of that sin, judgment is coming. And here is a call by God for a city. Ezekiel was a prophet writing for God from his place in Babylon where God's people have been exiled. He is describing the city and the wall of Jerusalem, the condition of his hometown. The walls had been breached. They had been broken down, and people were coming in to destroy it. And he's calling for a response. He's calling for us to step up, to stand in, and to stay on to fill the gap, to fill the breach in the wall. Now that's the context of this passage. And you read through Ezekiel, this is what's happening there. That's, we look at that first. But there are many applications to that. Every single person here has been given responsibility from God. We know that. And particularly, I'm addressing fathers given great responsibility. So we're going to look at this verse in light of that. Look at the city, second, the circumstances, but I want to spend most of the time just on the call. When we talk about a, a city, typically this, this is how we identify. Where are you from? <laughs> we're trying to assess things. Where are you from? And it gives us some sense of identity. The location, the city is defined by walls, towers, layout, and structure. So it gives us identity. It also gives us community. This is where we build relationships. Where we grew up, our city is not just a geographical location. It describes the connections that we had of community, or we call common unity. A certain set of people who share the same values and commonality live together. And thirdly, what the city provides is security. The wall 
Sometimes there'll be a moat, a river, <laughs> some strong gates, but it gives identity, it gives community, and the wall of the city gives people a sense of security. Your city, your family, your responsibility is what we'll speak about. So that's our first look. The second look is the condition of this wall. City of Jerusalem is in the Middle East. Most of you know, you took your geography class. It's in the Middle East, it's high on a mountain. It is a central place for all of God's people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament to be coming to. And it has been a place that we've learned about through time, first with David as he was developing and building this city, Solomon during his reign. And now we're in a stage where there has been a slow erosion over time. It hasn't just happened all at once. There's been a slow erosion after David, the man after God's own heart, was followed by Solomon. Now when David was handing the keys to the kingdom to his son, Solomon, he charged him. And God charged him. And here's, here's what he said to Solomon. He says, do not acquire many horses for yourself. And do not acquire many wives for yourself, lest your heart turn away. Nor shall you acquire for yourself excessive silver and gold. As a warning. Now, there's nothing wrong with horses. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with having a wife to have pleasure. So I put these in three categories, pride, pleasure, possessions. So to have horses, nothing wrong. Pleasure, nothing wrong. Possessions, to have gold, nothing wrong with these. But these can destroy you if they become too important. And I think that these are the same basic elements that we go back to Genesis. We're challenged to, God's challenge to Adam and Eve about temptation, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Go all the way to the New Testament where Jesus is in the wilderness battling the devil over these same three major temptations. We battle the same ones today. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Jesus said this, don't make these your God. Horses representing great power. This was a kind of a symbol for kings, having horses, as many horses. And Solomon had more horses than anyone. Pleasure. Well, there should be pleasure in one wife. Solomon had 700 plus 300 extras. You think, the man's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then possessions. He had, he had it all. But in the end, when he is assessing his life, he said it's all emptiness. When you pursue power, pleasure, and possessions, apart from God, it will always leave you empty. But you pursue Christ above all else, you will have everything. 
This is what he says, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. That means his kingdom. And his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So when we're chasing the power and the strength and the influence and the recognition of life, the, the pride of life, having as many horses to show how strong we are, or chasing pleasure because I, I want to satisfy, I want to be happy, I want to be happy, or to store up enough goods, we will all be left empty. But if all you have, if all you have is Jesus, you have everything. You have everything. And I think families have followed much the same, pursuing these things rather than Christ. God has become less and less a part of our families, a part of our lives. And over time, it has worn down to where we have experienced many breaches in the wall to the security of our families. So what are the breaches in the wall? And I've listed three of these. There are many that I've, I've listed out first, but, but I think there's a breach of identity. And we say, well, I'm from this town, or I'm, but how do you identify yourself? If we were to ask uh, the average Christian young person who they are and what they think of themselves, you might be surprised of how they uh, would identify themselves. I'm this or that. Of course, today there's big discussion, controversy on, you know, gender identity. But that, that's just a tip of the iceberg. To me, this has been going on for a very, very long time. The only accurate description of your life is that you were made in the image of God. You were created by him and you were created for him. And he says this, you're mine. That's your identity. You are, above all else, a child of God. And I'll tell you what, that should give you a sense of immeasurable dignity, of immeasurable worth. I am a child of God. I'm a child of the king. I have been created in his image. I have been created for his purpose. That's amazing. And I think that's where you get when, when young people grow up and they're searching for purpose and meaning in life and who I am, what am I? Because you realize that it settles things for us. Mm -hmm. Gives you the sense of resolve that I was created with value and with purpose. And I am greatly loved. I think this is one of the most important things for young people to understand who they are. So the first breach, identity, who are we? Second breach is a breach of community. Because the community is how we all fit together. The, the relationship, common unity, community. Vertically, community with God. Horizontally, community with one another. Do you remember how Jesus summed up all of the law, all of the Bible? Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything's summed up that way. 
He's talking about two incredible relationships. Not talking about religion. He's talking about relationship. And so he's giving this charge to be having unity with God and unity with one another. And so when I, when I look at that as a father, the, the greatest thing I could ever give my family is that I have unity with God. I walk with God. Not perfectly. <laughs> I make a lot of mistakes, say a lot of things I shouldn't have said, don't say things I should say. I sin. I blow it. Just like the rest of you. But the greatest contribution I can make with any horizontal relationship is that I am vertically continuing to pursue a walk with God. And that's, that's where we begin missing it. When we have a lot of fathers who are religious, but they really don't have a close walk with God. And the effect is felt in every horizontal relationship. So the common unity we don't have here, we're not going to have in the home, in our marriages. It's reflected in the marriage. It's reflected with our children. It's reflected with the entire family. There's a breach of community. And finally, there's a breach of security. Well, dad should be, what do you do before you go to bed at night? Usually check the doors. Now, sometimes I forgot to do that. <laughs> you want to know, is everybody in? You lock the doors. You turn off the lights. If someone gets up, you feel like you've got to get up again. Go relock the doors. Turn out the lights. Why? You, you feel a sense of protection. I wish we would have the same level of intensity when it comes to mental things, spiritual things, that we do the physical protection of our families. We've done a better job at getting money, paying the bills, putting food on the table, than we have been addressing the other ways to protect our family. And so when we read this, I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land. He is looking. So this call he gives, and I have divided this up to step up. He's asking us to stand in the gap. I'm looking for a man to stand in the gap, to stand in the breach, to make up the wall. But I have not found one. To step up, to stand in the gap, and to stay on. Fundamentally, there has been a failure with leadership. If you look through the Old Testament, when kings have failed, prophets have failed, priests have failed, fathers have failed, all of society will fail. And the need has been to respond to a city being under siege. The apathy, the preoccupation, the spiritual blindness. These are three things that I see every day. I battle that within my own life, getting to where I don't care like I should care. 
to be preoccupied with things that are lesser things and to be blind that I even have a problem. It is a call to step up and fulfill your responsibility to do his will, to give purpose to your life. Now I realize this, that when the enemy is attacking your city, your home, your responsibility, when the enemy is attacking and there, there is a gap where the enemy is coming through and your call is to, to go stand in the gap, how do you feel about that? Uh, you're going to become the point of attack. It's not a comfortable spot. And I think most of the time when God calls us to fulfill whatever responsibility we have to stand in the gap, we shy away from it. Uh, we look around. It's like, like Moses. And Moses said, well, who am I? <laughs> who am I? Or could you send someone else? Jeremiah. He said, Lord, I'm only a child. He wasn't a child, but he, he felt like a child. You go all the way through the scriptures, and, and you find that, that we struggle to step into the gap, to step into the breach. But he's never asked us to do it alone. He's never asked us to do it alone. He is, he is looking for someone who is willing to step up, stand in the breach, stand in the gap of the responsibility he has given to you, and be there. So we don't really marvel at the fact that struggles, and I think particularly, as I try to make this applicable for everyone here because we all have responsibilities, but to fathers, think about this, guys. There's nothing more important in all of life than this. Of all the things that you could give your life to, there is nothing more important than this. Building your business, accumulating wealth, accomplishing goals, and you're the only one that can do that. I also think that not only is it the most important thing we do, it is also the greatest privilege we have. It is a great, great privilege to be a father. A lot of times on, I think I've shared this before, Father's Day, I, I did not like Father's Day. Um, and it's not because I didn't have a good father. I had a great father, a great father, and also so why don't you like Father's Day? I said, because I felt like such a lousy father. <laughs> and you know what? That's really kind of what I call a backdoor to self-centeredness. <laughs> I am such a lousy father. <laughs> you know, I look at the, the weaknesses of it. But I've, I've kind of, God's really kind of convicted me about that. He said, don't, you, you need to just get this off of you. Give thanks for the fatherly influences you have had and then see what is above and transcends everything is a perfect heavenly father and glory in his name and celebrate Father's Day. That's why I think everyone can and should be able to do that. So we step up and stand in. To stand in with your, with, to me, first of all, is your presence of being there. 
like when I was saying before, sitting at the dinner table, being there but not there. It's, yes, present physically, being there, being there, in the home, at the table, in the conversations, playing the games, interacting. It's being there mentally, spiritually, emotionally. It's also standing in with our prayers, interceding for our children, interceding for our family. One of the things that I knew about both my father and my grandfather is that every day they would pray for all the kids. Now, at one point in my life, that was pretty easy because I just had three. Now, as my both dads have died, and I knew that they wanted prayers continued, I've kind of I, I made this commitment, and it's been kind of tough to keep because when you add both my dad's and my father-in-law's families, it's over 100 people. <laughs> but 100 precious souls. And as I shared with you before, there is nothing that will impact another person's life more than when we pray for them. There's nothing I can say or do or give them to read or advice or counsel to give them. But, but when I pray for God's perfect will to be fulfilled in that person's life, that is powerful. So stand in with your presence, stand in with your prayers, and then stand in with your preaching. <laughs> now, most dads don't consider themselves preachers, but we are both in our, our walk and in our words. Live the life. It's not a perfect example. But you see, when, when you fail as a dad, and you can say, you know what? I've, I failed at that, and I apologize. Would you forgive me? Do you think that helps? That teaches something. And so if my walk, my, it's not a perfect walk, but, but if they, they give a pattern, you give a pattern, not of perfection, but a pattern of direction. You give them something to follow. That's your walk and your words. I think we've abdicated somewhat to, well, they go to school, they go to church. Did you know the primary teacher in the home should it be the dad and the mom? I mean, if you read Deuteronomy 6, he says, this is what we do. Teach, teach these things diligently to your children. Live the, live the life. Speak these words to them. My last part of this, standing in the gap, is when you think about the, the step up, the stand in, the stay on. For all of you guys that are, I say, older guys, like me, um, over time we can start slacking. You know, early on, you know, you're a new dad, starting your life, and you're kind of getting everything going. But over time, sometimes we can just start coasting. We do that in our spiritual lives. I'm talking to some of you that 
you've kind of lost that fire, you've lost that intentionality, because all the things that we've talked about take intentionality. It doesn't just happen. When you teach, when you walk, when you instruct, when you stand in the gap, there is an alertness, a, a sense of significance and importance. And I think for our generation, do not fade away. If you were once better at this, return to be that again. So in trying to answer this question, where have all the fathers gone? <laughs> they're still around. But they're breaches in the walls. And the enemy is attacking our society, our families. It's attacking in every way. You as a father, you as a believer, God has put on this earth with certain responsibility to step up, to stand in, and to stay on. So the question is, will you do that? When the call is given, I sought for a man, I sought for a woman, I sought for a young person. Is there silence? Or will you be like Isaiah in chapter 6 who said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. So I get to this very last point. This is exactly what Jesus did for you. Your life was being destroyed by sin. Satan was breaching every wall of your life. He was going to destroy you and obliterate your city. And Jesus stepped in the gap. He made up the wall. And he protected your life. And that same Jesus is the means of you being able to do that here. That's an incredible thought. That any assignment that he gives to you here, he's with you. And he's done it before. And it's because he's done that that we can stand in the gap. You know, folks, I, sometimes I, I read the news and I think what's going on in our country and our families. And I read the statistics on father, fatherlessness. And I, you'd really want to get depressed. Honestly. It's just sad. But then when I see one life of one person get this, tell you what, it makes my day. <laughs> There's nothing more exciting than to see someone find the fulfillment of responding to that call to that in their area of responsibility they've stepped into the breach. And they continue. Father, thank you for the challenge today. And I just pray that you'd help us, fathers, help us, the rest of us, in every area of responsibility, 
as we experience the threats and the uncertainties of walls being breached that would destroy us, that we look to Jesus who filled in the gap, made up the wall, and is there for us to help do the same. I pray today, Lord, that there would be maybe some person to, today that would respond to your search to be that person. In Jesus' name, amen.